need more psychology. We need more understanding of human nature because the only real danger that exists is man himself. He is the great danger and we are pitifully unaware of it. But they're, they're foreign companies, so it's a mixture of U.S. and foreign companies around the world, um, along with foreign governments. Uh, and, uh, and if they don't get cooperation either from the companies or the governments, they'll unilaterally do it. <laughs> so they have a massive tap network on the entire uh, Internet and the fiber optic public switch telephone network. So it's a, that's a, a huge data acquisition system. How necessary is it to the collection of intelligence that you map out the social networks of your targets? If you're focused on targets, that is groups of individuals doing something illegal or, or uh, criminal or some terrorist group, uh, that's, that's uh, a legitimate operation of intelligence. Try to figure out potential adversaries or potential threats. That's legitimate. Every country in the world would say that's what they do or want to do too, within the means and capabilities they have. But when you start mapping out the social networks of everybody on the planet, that's a totally different issue. Now you're getting into the privacy of everyone that is not even a threat. So you're accumulating information on everybody in the world and all of their activities, everything they do. Uh, and it basically gets down to the ability, even after you accumulate that, you can look at their profiles and begin to see how they think and what they're thinking about issues. And you can even begin to project how they will act or react to situations. Uh, although uh, right now, right now they're not very good at that. Uh, that's their in, that there is a capability to do that, and we have been able to successfully do that in the past. Um, and they will. Uh, they're attempting at least. Uh, that's one of the initiatives that the White House list let. let uh, I think in early 2012, they they let a. Uh, Big White House Big Data Initiative, which was a solicitation from industry to um, to uh, work work out algorithms that would go into large data sets to figure out what's important for people to look at. That's how you automate the process of an analyzing all of this data to boil it down to what's really important, which they should have been doing in the beginning and they could have done right at the beginning, which is what we did in our program, ThinThread, which would pull out only that data that was relevant to groups or individuals intending to do something criminal or, or, uh, or terrorist-type activities around the world, or other governments or leaders and so on. All those were legitimate intelligence targets, foreign intelligence targets. Uh, they could have done that right from the beginning, instead of having this knowledge about everybody. What that's done is give them an entire rich database for other agencies of the government, like the FBI and the DEA and the Department of Homeland Security and the IRS, to go in and examine everybody in the country and everybody virtually on a planet that's using uh, internet or phone networks. So they're spying on everybody, collecting metadata, they're building profiles out of it. What is the reasoning behind pointing such an apparatus at the American public? And what type of money, what uh, combined budgets of these type of projects focused on the American people, what are we looking at? Uh, but the reason that I came up with that they were doing that is primarily for money and building an empire. Uh, the reason I say that is because <clears throat> if you take the position of collecting only targeted information against groups doing bad things, uh, then you have a finite problem. So you don't have to have large storage uh, facilities like Bluffdale in Utah or another 400,000 square uh, foot 
facility in San Antonio, Texas, or another one they just started building last summer in, on Fort Meade in Maryland, 600,000 foot, uh, square foot uh, facility to store information. You wouldn't need any of that. Plus, you wouldn't need all the contracts for contractors, and you wouldn't, you wouldn't need to have a, a larger workforce. Uh, so, but, but you would target, you would be focused on rich, a rich environment of information, which actually would mean you would succeed at preventing terrorism and preventing crime, international crime and so on. But by taking in the bulk acquisition, that means you're taking in everything in the world. That means you're pulling in all kinds of huge amounts of information, hundreds of terabytes per day, you know, going around the network. Uh, that, that becomes a main a management problem of information to begin with. How you have to build an infrastructure to transport it to storage facilities. You have to, you have to uh, build the storage facilities. You have to have contracts for all this to happen and contracts to manage all the data once you've captured it and then contracts to build other kinds of uh, programs to manipulate the data and use it for analysts and so on and then hire more analysts to analyze data because there's orders of magnitude more data to look at. So and it builds your budget so much bigger, and so now you're managing a much, a much larger empire. So they did it, in my sense, for empire. Well, they told us they were doing it for the prevention of terrorism, so that would mean none of these programs were underway pre-9-11, right? <laughs> well, that's, uh, that, there, was an, there was clearly an, an intent to do it prior to 9-11, and certainly there was, uh, be in history, down through history, with program Minaret at NSA anyway, they, and Shamrock, those programs, they were doing that all the way back to World War II. Uh, those are the programs that came out uh, with the Church Committee investigation into NSA, FBI, and CIA uh, back in the mid-70s. Uh, and as part of that, that's when the FISA law was, con was uh, uh, written, and that's when the intelligence committees were created, the Senate and House intelligence committees and the FISA court. They were all created to have oversight of the intelligence community to ensure that they did not do domestic spying. So that oversight was supposed to prevent this type of, uh, of, uh, of domestic spying. Instead, now they're all advocates for it. The courts, the intelligence committees, they're all advocating for NSA to do this kind of thing, all under the false pretense that it's going to prevent terrorism. Well, what it's done is, is made their, what, what it's done fundamentally is add orders of magnitude more data for their analysts to look at every day and they can't get through that data, and so they're dysfunctional, and so we, we don't stop things like the, the Boston bomber, the Fort Hood uh, shooter, the uh, Times Square bomber, the underwear bomber, people who are trying to do things that they should have been stopped, even not. Welcome to the tetherblower.com live stream. Today we are talking about how Consenting to silence is uh, is counterintuitive and uh, counterproductive to freedom, and uh, that's why there's a question mark. Are you consenting to silence? At first, you know, I had accidentally left the uh, question mark out of the title, and I thought it was very important to go back in and actually add that because. Uh, you know, that's kind of what we're going to be going over today. Are you going to consent to this? Uh, censorship that's been ongoing and nothing new uh, as of 2021 but is definitely ramping up and getting to a point where we're going to need to get some solutions out there uh, now now's the time to do that there isn't a time better than now to go over some of the solutions so that's also what we'll go over 
today. Sounds like the audio is fine there on the stream. Thank you for everyone watching. And uh, let's just get right into it. So a few updates with me. I've been, you know, going over the holidays and New Year's and reflecting a lot on what 2021 is going to be like for me, for the family, how we're going to proceed, some of the goals that we're going to go after, uh, the targets that we'd like to achieve. Uh, not only that, but reflecting back on the previous year and just taking some time while I was uh, not able to live stream to YouTube anyways. <laughs> not that that really matters, and that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. I mean, especially when it comes to a YouTube channel that never really got much traction like mine anyways. I would like to discuss a lot of the alt tech platforms and things like that today that we'll go into, as well as um, maybe you know an, another YouTube channel for me because that is the second strike for the TylerBlair.com YouTube channel. I don't think there'll be anything today that would be too uh, outside of what the WHO would allow or Bill, or Bill Gates, the, the Fuhrer, would allow us to uh, speak about. But we'll see about that. I'm not exactly sure. I mean. Sometimes I'm surprised how that goes. But uh, also, that was William Benny, uh, whistleblower, NSA, former uh, high up person in the NSA. Uh, we could see here the Wikipedia says he was a former intelligence officer in the United States NSA and a whistleblower. He retired at 31. Or sorry, he retired October 31st, 2001, after more than 30 years with the agency. So not just some dude, and that was an interview that Richard Grove from Tragedy and Hope and Autonomy and Grand Theft World and the Peace Revolution podcast had recorded at a place, a pretty interesting place there in Connecticut near Hartford, I believe, downtown, um, at a place where they used to use these buildings to uh, make things for one of the world wars and other things like that as far as what Richard was telling me when I was there uh, we met actually at the demystifying the occult part one uh, filming that Richard did for Mark Passio there back in 2014 I want to say <laughs> don't uh, hold me to that we'll, we'll, we'll check on that later in the episode if we get to that um, but yeah, and then there's the Info Galactic. I mean, there's two of these encyclopedia type pages you can go look. But he, you know, going, if you go watch that interview, which you can find in the show notes over at uh, tylerblair.com underneath this posting. And this time uh, we were actually able to, you can see uh, here the live stream right on the front page. But then I was actually able to get this posting up with the show notes beforehand. And so here it is, and there's the, there's the stream we're doing right now. And also you can find the uh, Benny thing in here. I'll put it more towards the top. I think before I thought it was gonna be further down. It's probably here somewhere, but I'm just not seeing it right away. So yeah, here, here it is right here. So I'll move that up a little bit uh, and you can go watch that full uh, interview with Benny. Uh, I think it's one of the best pieces that Richard has done on the YouTube channel that he has. It has over a million views. I think it's also one of the most viewed pieces that he's done. And there's kind of a backstory to the filming and uh, Richard has his own take on how it went. But I mean, if you just look at the end result, it looks great. And it was a really good interview to capture that moment and what William Benny was saying back then. 
what is he saying now? Uh, well, here's a recent tweet from William Binney on Twitter where he says, Meanwhile, please help to stop the live... Oh, no, so that was somebody else. And then he said, Would I say D-E-W were involved unless I had scientific evidence? I'm using HF-35C spectrum analyzer, audio recordings, impact evidence, plus pain from the pulse energy projectiles to prepare for court petitions. So he's been saying on Twitter recently that he's under a directed energy weapons attack. And, you know, he hasn't been taken off Twitter yet. I went and looked today. He's still on there. <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not sure what to, to make of that. I'm just pointing that out that I had him up earlier. I won't bring that over right now. But yeah, I, I just want to bring that up that that's what he's talking about now. But, you know, I, I think he's a credible person and you can go find many, many interviews out there. He worked for the NSA and basically took a moral stance on how things were going with the direction of the, the intel that they were collecting and decided that he didn't want to be involved in targeting American citizens or people you know that he thought he was protecting and so he stepped down and then since then has been uh, publicly speaking out against the practices of uh, the data collection and spying on American citizens or people all around the world really and he exposes a lot of the operations that you can go look at including uh, let's see if what I had pulled up here I think that's all I wanted to cover today for Mr. Benny um, now, along again with the title, we'll just go into a little bit of context around that. Now, this article here is just something that I that came up with a Google search that we'll use to kind of follow along. Maybe we can make the background like that and then pull this up and maybe zoom in for now since it's smaller. There we go. Now, silence implies consent is a concept of social interaction which states roughly that people tend to assume lack of response to an action as tacit approval or tacit action an example of the thought process if nobody complains about the plastic gnome i placed in my front yard then it must be that the gnome that nobody's really bother, bothered by it in fact everybody may be bothered by it they're just being silent you can't be sure that their silence truly means that they are consenting to it. On the other side of the coin, if you are being silent about an issue, be aware that others may very well be interpreting that as consent. And that's interesting. So what is this tacit word that we heard? We heard it said uh, a lack of response to an action as tacit approval. So let's go to Webster's uh, 1828. And let's just pull this down. Let's just close some of these things here. Sorry, I'm a little messy here on the background. All right, that's better. Uh, again, we'll zoom in a little bit for the live stream. And uh, here in the Webster's 1828, tacit, Latin tacitus from tacio, to be silent. That is to stop or to close. So just to be silent, you know, and then it says silent, implied but not expressed. Tacit consent is consent by silence or not interposing an objection. So we say 
a tacit agreement or covenant of men to live under a particular government, when no objection or opposition is made, a tacit surrender of a part of our natural rights, a tacit reproach. And so, you know, this idea of silent being silence being consent, are, are you going to be silent to the things going on that you may object to and have this sort of tacit agreement implied to the, the fact that you're not speaking out against something that you tacitly agree? This, this is sort of uh, something I think that's flawed in the logic of what it was saying there in the Webster's 1828. Like that's how uh, maybe a particular government may rule or assume uh, rulership or jurisdiction over a particular individual, a particular human being, just because they're not um, outwardly opposing, you know, the tacit law, man's made lo man-made laws that are being implied on that person just because of their t place in time or their ignorance to the things that they're contracting to. So, again, it's all voluntary. Everything that you contract in is is voluntary contracts that you're. Uh, you know, getting yourself into from there, you know, you may, you know, become out of contract if you don't uphold that contract from there moving forward. But to tacitly assume that someone agrees to something like maybe even the Constitution, where, you know, what you'd need to go look at there is Lysander Spooner's work, The Constitution of No Authority. And he just basically ob obliterates this idea that because some people are um, getting together and creating, uh, you know, documents based on even philosophical concepts that are like logically drawn back to a certain conclusion on maybe natural rights, a positive rights philosophy, uh, John Lockean type, uh, very uh, secret society-ish or Christian even like ethics and uh, philosophy and mythology even and basing the law system that we have currently on the bible um it's based on the the bible you see people swear uh you know that they will speak the truth and they swear this on the bible and that is the ultimate law book that western society uh is built on and the inverse the everything's always has a dualistic side to it and there's an inverted side to that, where if we were really respecting nature, respecting the true law, respecting the universe, worshiping the universe as reality, and living under natural law, we would not have two systems of law. We would not then have a separate system of law known as like a government of some kind or a, a united uh, global thing of some sort with its own sets of laws. We would respect that the one universal law and will is that of God and the universe. And I'm not separating those things by saying and. I mean, like, you know, then and in addition to saying the universe, I'm also calling that God interchangeably. So that is my definition of what God is that I uh, think is the most accurate based on the teachings of the Bible is that it's actually saying everything that in existence, that which is those things that are real reality itself. So to be an atheist is to say something as ridiculous as the rea reality itself, you know, doesn't exist. I'm just checking out a couple things here in the stream. It looks like we've got some people watching today. Thank you for listening to my ramblings. Uh, I'm trying out Streamlabs OBS. You can use the tip in the chat on YouTube or underneath the description on this to go and support the show. 
I'd like if somebody could just do a dollar just to see if that's working because I've never used it before. It'd be cool to see. Maybe you can ask a question of me and we'll try the whole Streamlabs super chat thing out like the cool kids do. Um, but yeah, so I kind of don't even remember exactly why I went into that, but we'll talk more about that in the future. Oh yeah, it's just that that's the way, you know, that a lot of the stuff in our society is implied is through tacit agreement. And because you don't ex ex uh, objectively oppose the, the uh, let's say, taxation on your W-2 or your contract at work that they're just going to automatically withhold, that because you're not directly opposing that, that you must just agree to the fact that that's going to be done. Now, you do agree to it, and you are responsible for the contracts that you sign and agree to. So if that's something that you've gone and done is like work for somebody where they've directly told you that they're going to be withholding taxes out of your paycheck, you can't then sit back and say that the government is using force and violence against you to take taxes out of your paycheck when you've gone and signed up for that situation. That's a contract that you are not being forced into. No one's making you go do those things. So it's better just to take responsibility for that situation. Wake up every day and know uh, exactly what it is that your you know, principles and morals are why you're doing the things that you're doing that day. And if, as long as you attitudinally understand freedom, then you can become unslaved because it's, an, it's like, as Michael Tesserion says of unslaved.com, um, freedom is attitudinal. It's not a situation. It's not a place. It's not a collective of people that get together and do freedom. Freedom is a mental thing. It's something that's from the mind. You have to mentally understand first where you are free. Now, that you are free and from there you know as far as idealism goes and uh, spiritualism and not non-objectivism or uh, materialist atheism not those things but when you look at it from something like the hermetic principle of all is mental i think that's the first uh, hermetic principle it's saying like in idealism and not not idealism as in having a high ideal and a certain moral set of philosophy I, idealism as in ideaism maybe it'd be more properly understood that everything comes from the mind so uh first if and then also as above so below so if this is true from us that i have to first think about doing a stream and mentally prepare it and then I'll uh, walk around and have ideas about what I want to put in that stream. Those are all coming from mind first, and then the stream happens, right? It's not the other way around. The, the, the material world doesn't affect my ideas about how I want to make the stream. And so the idea is, if that's true of me, that I can do that, then it's also true on the macrocosm, on the, on the macro scale, that the universe then must be mental, and that the material world is just uh, you know, something that happens... Uh, because of the mental world. Now, that's why I separate the two. Are they separate? Is the mental world separate from the material world? Is the spiritual world separate? Do you have a higher mind, a lower mind that are just separate things? No. Again, but there is a dualistic uh, meaning and nature to reality. And that's kind of why you always have to look at things from multiple ways and keep an open mind on things. Uh, anyway, another thing you can do to go ahead and look at this concept is a recent podcast episode we did over at thegrandtheftworld.com. I had up here another you know article on tacit agreement to go through if we needed to. Uh, and then there's the Ayn Rand lexicon here on the common good. 
and kind of going it kind of it kind of rolls with this idea of um censorship and doing things that are good for the masses instead of the individual right but there she she goes through and blows a pretty good hole in the argument that the common uh, good she says it's a meaningless concept unless taken literally in which case it is only possible meaning is the sum of the good of all the individual men involved but in that case the concept is meaningless as a moral criterion it leaves open the question of what is good of individual men and how does one determine it exactly and since when has the the all been good or when has the crowd been correct or good or right about anything you know uh, the crowd is a tyrannical force the crowd if you read uh, Laban or even um, Bernays uh, or I have the politics of no obedience here from Etienne de la Boite. I got like a printed version of it. Um, there's probably some good things in here about that, for sure. The call for mass civil disobedience here from page 16, uh, from the politics of obedience from Etienne de la Boite. One of the more radical of the latter Huguenot pamphlets, La France. Turkey, which advocated an association of towns and provinces of okay so that's like I, I tried I'd almost like started in at a good point and tried to be cool and read like a passage from this live but that that wasn't exactly relevant but we'll put this in the show notes and then soon maybe we can get a, a document cam where we'll have uh, something to set these documents out and read them and go through uh, some books live rather than just on the screen but yeah, we'll put this in the show notes as well from Ayn Rand and the Lexicon. If you've not seen this uh, website, it's pretty good. Um, you can put not all terms. It's not like a dictionary where everything's in there. And I meant to type uh, crowd there. But anyway, like this article on sacrifice is really good and getting Ayn Rand's take on sacrifice. Again, that's kind of not really on, on point, but the going to someone who can read things on the screen quite well and a clip that i want to share here from this is our podcast that we've been producing the grand theft world this is podcast 08 silence of consenting lambs so i think this is a little bit more relevant to what the topic of the episode today is on uh, consenting to silence or consenting to censorship rather uh, you know but I, I think everybody's using the word censorship quite a bit now, but in the Grand Theft World podcast, this was not uh, the most recent episode, but two episodes ago. Uh, we'll be doing number 10 tomorrow night, and it's going to be a doozy. In this episode, though, uh, we went into quite a few things you can see here in the show notes. So uh, we talked about uh, COVID data tracking, uh, brought out some Rockefeller Medicine Men book and did some reading from that. Richard did. And... Uh, how COVID-19 may have been and the mRNA vaccine is was causing anaphylactis uh, in people right away in Florida and other places when they were rolling it out. Um, more on that tomorrow night. If you'd like to look into some of the modern, uh, more recent uh, occurrences and things that have been going on with that, stay tuned for the Grand Theft World tomorrow. We'll have some touching on that for sure. Uh, so yeah, so we went into quite a few things here. Uh, Joy Camp, Benny Wills came on the show afterward, and 
then we wrapped up with uh, some things about the gulag and uh, the nazis and a really good episode but anyway i'm going to play a little clip here so let's see if i can do this correctly and we'll play a clip from grand theft world episode eight silence of consenting lambs let's just get this uh I have a new scene here that I use for this now, like this. Teen affected black community so disproportionately is a mere reflection of existing. In Actually, yeah, I was going to play it from here. Here we go. So I want to cut to uh, book camera here. We can see this is the COVID-19, the Great Reset by Klaus Schwab and uh, the people he works for. It says, or it reads rather. Do it, do it right on page 80 right here. Uh, let's see, talking about it, it says COVID was far from being the great leveler or equalizer of the pandemic. Really, they look at he says it all throughout the book that COVID's a great amplifier for all their plans. It's a great amplifier, it's like plugging in the amp and turning it up to 11, tyranny style. Instead, what rapidly emerged was that there was nothing fair or even handed about how the virus went about its deadly work. In the United States, COVID-19 has taken a disproportionate toll on African-Americans, low-income people, and vulnerable populations, such as the homeless. In the state of Michigan, where less than 15% of the population is Black, Black, represent, uh, black residents represented around 40% of the deaths from COVID-19 complications. The fact that COVID-19 affected Black communities so disproportionately is a mere reflection of existing inequalities. In America, as in many other countries, African-Americans are poorer, more likely to be unemployed or underemployed and victims of substandard housing and living conditions. Um, so right there, uh, what are they saying? The people who have done work on population control and have sought to sterilize and experiment on people of color in the past, <clears throat> They're now saying it's a safe and effective blank. It's not going to prevent you from getting it. It's not going to prevent you from spreading it. <clears throat> but they are now going to offer it as a solution early on. And it's not unlike Tuskegee experiments gone public. We're going to talk about the history a little bit of human experimentation because it is apropos to where I live at this time, where they can uh, do mandatory vaccinations and these sort of things. Uh, it's already been on the slate for my state prior to COVID. So these types of things need to be looked at more in detail in the context of history that's being pushed through without anyone's approval or anyone even reading the bills. There's a lot of things in that omnibus spending bill that have nothing to do with spending. There's a lot of things that you should look into how government works and why you're funding it uh, so uh, thoroughly because these people, they not, what you're sending them is not enough. They already say, you know, we're getting three trillion a year. We spend six, seven, 12 a year. They're just writing checks that they're never going to be able to uh, to pay back. They're going to indenture children and grandchildren into the next generations all over the planet. They're not going to limit it to just here in the United States because this is an international organization. In fact, I'll do it live. Here you go. I'm going to let you, because, you know, I, I feel like sometimes I'm being redundant, but then I also have to consider maybe you don't already know this. So let me just put the book camera back on, not take anything for granted. This is David Rockefeller. He wrote something called Memoirs. Okay. This is a New York Times bestseller. This is not a conspiracy theory. This is me simply reading uh, from a page here. Do I have it marked? That's the question. There's a lot in this book, and it must be 4.05, maybe. Let's see. 
Oh, I'm doing it live. Let's see if I can do it under pressure. It's called Proud Internationalist. This is chapter 27, everybody, of the memoirs of David Rockefeller. Uh, October 23rd was a busy day at the Council on Foreign Relations. So we've talked about his family and how they found, founded and funded the Council on Foreign Relations and the Royal Institute of International Affairs uh, because these are internationalists and they're not just people who fund the taking over America. They want the world. Uh, the 50th anniversary of the United Nations. They also get, they donated the land and the Rockefeller architect created the United Nations. That's international territory for those of you playing at home. I want to go over here to this uh, page 405 of chapter 27. And I like to read this because it makes people who say conspiracy theory as a like daily catchphrase, it makes them cringe because they don't know what to do with this. For more than a century, ideological extremists at either end of the political spectrum have seized upon well-publicized incidents such as my encounter with Castro to attack the Rockefeller family for the inordinate influence they claim we wield over American political and economic institutions. Some even believe we are part of a secret cabal working against the, against the best interests of the United States, characterizing my family and me as internationalists and of conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure. One world, if you will, or if you won't. If that's the charge, I stand guilty and I am proud of it. That is not out of context. That is exactly how I read it. That's what he wanted you to know toward the end of that book. Now, his, his brother's protege wrote a book. Since I got the book cam on, I'm just going to do it live. Real quick, Henry Kissinger was a protege of Nellie Rockefeller. Let me bring him up. There's Nelson. Let's click over here on the brain and see if we can get Henry Alfred Kissinger to pop up. I gotta get that on screen so I can do this part. Look around the camera. There we go. He's gonna come up there. So Nelson groomed Henry Kissinger, who groomed Klaus Schwab. So if you want to get to like the people who are behind the things going on today, they ain't here no more. And the people who are doing the things today have no idea most of the part, most for the most part, about the history of what's going on and they're, what they're participating in. Henry Kissinger, that's the guy we're talking to. Now let's go back to the book cam. I just wanted to show you the index for this book. It's called World Order, by the way. You might want to read it. He's talking about how they've planned out your future and how the world's going to work when they take it over. Look at this entry on China. You see how much stuff in this book about world order is China, China, all these different aspects. And you need to know some Chinese history, the Manchu conquest of the Mongol conquest of opium wars in like he's basically saying, if you want to be part of the, the ruling class in the future, this is the history that you need to know about China. And oh, by the way, his handlers, family, the Rockefellers, helped to fund a lot of this communism. And David Rockefeller, who we just heard from in his memoirs, said that Mao was one of their greatest projects. Mao Zedong killed like 50 million people, maybe 100 million by some estimates. I was being conservative with the communist revolution. So these are things we need to take into consideration uh, as we move forward. The people who've been planning the world but didn't ask our, our opinion on that matter. Moving forward, let's see if I can get back over to the notes, see where we're going here. Oh, um, the, the next clip up is a contextual information clip. This is a 2012 clip from James Corbett. Now, he's going to play a major role. All right, so to see more of that show, uh, you can go over to grandtheftworld.com and check out 
the podcast under, let's see, let's actually go back and make sure that's stopped. Okay, we muted that. And under the podcast on currenttechworld.com, just click up in the top menu bar on the phone. You have to click the little like four or five lines, right? Expands out and then you can click podcast. Website looks real slick and nice on the phone. And here are, you know, you could see the, this is an excellent interview with Richard. Obviously today, I guess we just called it Richard Grove featured his work show. Um, he was very kind to read to us there and pull out those books and have them available. Thank you very much, Richard, and uh, for helping with the Grand Theft World podcast. I mean, what I should say is thank you for performing uh, weekly and hosting the Grand Theft World podcast while we in the control room, us guys over here, are still working out the tech and getting things all together, uh, make the show happen. So uh, it's a good partnership so far to uh, collaborate. I feel like uh, it's kind of like a band, you know, like we're, we get together and jam on Sunday nights and you can come by and watch uh, what we've put together that week and what the, the crazy stuff that's going on in Grand Theft World. And there's more to come. We're getting a clip process into place. We'll be having uh, some shorter clips rolling out for the people that want the bite-sized thing, the highlight of the good part of the show that we can get out there. I'm having a team of people, uh, including... Uh, Cassandra last night me and her were going over some ideas of how to get the, some more information out there regarding the show and uh, Just so you know, you can join the Grand Theft World community by clicking up here uh, There also will be in the show notes for this particular episode uh, A way to get uh, through to the Grand Theft World and Get your membership. I'm just pulling that up really quick here. So now we're back here on my site underneath this show down in the show notes of wherever you're watching this right now you can go scroll down and down here there's a grand theft world membership click that uh, get your 19 skills videos we'll talk about that at the end again and you can help support this show and maybe get me a new mic i've been using this blue snowball for a long time it's kind of bassy it's kind of needs a it kind of needs a update and uh, those things cost money so to mixers and things like that I've never been one to say that I need to stream or make content to get by in life. That's not what I'm doing here. Um, and what I am doing here, though, is trying to get the information out and help other people do the same thing. So in one way that we're doing that is over at WithinTheStones.com. And you can go to WithinTheStones.com and learn a little bit about what it is that we do and how we help media and content producers produce their content. And eventually, when you click uh, get the free course, mini course here, uh, over this weekend, I'm gonna have this hooked up to a place where you can learn more about our mini course, our free course, where I'll be teaching people how to produce content and teaching people how to do this type of a live show and uh, or like the Grand Theft World show, how to maybe do pre-recorded, and then going into publishing methods that are not exactly above the fold in the modern day with the phones and people just kind of doing like the bare minimum to get their content out there. There's a lot you can do uh, to get your voice out there in a better way, in a way that's more indelible uh, and indistinguishable and also uh, uncensorable. And that's going to be coming more and more of a topic now coming up into 2021 now where you'll see what I think is going to be the most uh, tyrannical tech year we've seen since uh, the internet age, where 
it was a really kind of like the wild wild west and now like stalin and the gang are here to uh implement like internet socialism basically but it's more like a it's 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 way more insidious than that because it's not a country or a government it's a uh, people wielding power and corporations was really just people influencing uh, the media influencing the public influencing the mass consciousness with their uh, agendas and not exactly like directly influencing you like they come out and tell you that they want global government uh, or like a, a new world order but that is what we're headed towards and we're headed towards uh, an era where governments as we just saw the other day or yesterday i think uh, donald trump getting censored off of twitter um, some financial and payment processing uh, situations and I'm not gonna sit here and say uh, defend Donald Trump and say that like Trump is is being attacked or care about which uh, the puppets are in the uh, White House under this completely ridiculous uh, situation now known as the United States of America um, an experiment which did start out strong and I think has left us in the position that we are to continue that legacy on of freedom but needs a revamping at this point, such as is stated in the Declaration of Independence, when the government becomes to re, uh, completely tyrannical, that it's not only you know an option at that point, but it's your duty. And I think it's implying your duty as a free individual who doesn't want to become a complete slave to overthrow that tyranny. And so that's one of the big things that we'd like to focus on here in, at TylerBlair.com, just like we were talking about earlier, about knowing something in the mind first before it can manifest out into the world is to understand that you know you are free powerful beautiful human being without any piece of paperwork needing to make that true and that may not be completely physically the case at all times but to know that mentally is the first step and to understand that uh, attitudinally in the world and as a way of being you know uh, rather than a destination now uh, going back to what we're trying to do at Within the Stones is work with individuals who want to get their voice out there. So there'll be a, mi a free mini course with a lot of the stuff I've been learning over the last year. And then uh, as we get that rolled out, we'll have a graduated course beyond that where you can learn some of the more technical things and even get like one-on-one -on -one consulting and things like that. So for now, the best place to learn about that would probably not be this site yet. We're not quite there. We're rounding third base. But I would just go, suggest you to go to tylerbloyer.com and I would implore you to enter your email here or you could go to subscribe. It's a very fancy way to do it and type your email in here. I've made it very easy to do. I'm not asking for anything else. You can just sign up and then as I get that rolled out, you will definitely hear about it more uh, from the tylerbloyer.com lists that I've accumulated uh, over the years since doing my work. I don't utilize it very heavily, but again, going back to the censorship things and how things might change quite dramatically uh, coming up here soon, it'd be a good idea to have different ways uh, implemented. And that will also be in the Within the Stones course, uh, using like text strategies, you know, getting for an example of what we might talk about in the free course, uh, having remind.com or other strategies where you uh, subscription services that content safe is developing uh, Matthew Raymer and the content safe team that we work with uh, from autonomy unlimited or with you know autonomy unlimited the group that uh, I 
partnered with through within the Stones Media Network, and we work really closely together, and we're building a team over there to be able to help people uh, in this way. Not just like the whole world, but we're niching into the freedom, you know, Grand Theft worldy type producers that need to get out there. That's what I want to focus on. So that's what I'm all about. Uh, that's what TylerBloyer.com is doing. Uh, it's just a stream of consciousness for me to be able to just say it like it is, like how I see it, and not have any kind of filter. But then I want to help other people achieve the same thing and other projects like, I don't know, looking at the Greater Reset or even like the Agora Polko, Enrico Polko people and what they're doing down there. I don't, I don't fully agree with uh, everything that goes on there or even all the people and uh, all the philosophy about uh, even anarcho-capitalism uh, 100%. Obviously, if you go back and look at my uh, falling into the movement traps, I go into that. It's, but it's not that I don't align with those people more philosophically so than, like, let's say, someone who worships the government or doesn't have any sort of morals, just a complete moral relativist uh, order follower or slave who doesn't even understand, like I said, in the mind, like that they're free, like more of what we have over here with the series uh, from Patrick McGuhan, The Prisoner, which you gotta, you gotta go check this out. And then you'd understand what this guy is doing here standing in front of this big ball. And you would know what those big white balls are <laughs> by checking out that show. And you would know more about what the difference is between uh, a prisoner and a slave. Um, let's see if I can do this live. Uh, Another word for it, if I can pull it up, it's going to take me, I'm going to do it though. Here we go. We'll just, we'll do it live. We'll do it live. Okay, Swaraj. And Swaraj means generally self-governance or self-rule and was used synonymously with sorry let me get this through SS home rule by Marahishi Daryanand Sarawadi and later on Mahandas Gandhi Mahatma Gandhi but the word usually refers to Gandhi's concept of Indian independence from foreign domination. Swaraj lays stress on governance, not by hierarchical governance, but by self-governance through individuals and community building. The focus is on political decentralization. Since this is against the political and social systems followed by Britain, Gandhi's concept of Swaraj advocated India's discarding British politics, economics, bureaucracy, legally legal military and we're still doing that right we're still fighting the anglo-american establishment here in america and they're uh the, they're still under socialist communism from the labor party in india right and still under that british influence and tyranny like they, they didn't get rid of it there's a fabian democracy and fabian socialism system and mindset installed in india and way more of a slave-like mentality in their citizenship so this just needs to be like blasted out, you know, we'll put this in the show notes for sure. I'm going to add that right now over here in the resource section. Also, 
a word that Richard Grove turned me on to, funny enough. So, uh, like I said, we could just call this the Richard Grove Show. All right, what's next on deck today? Let's see, what do we got here? I'd like to thank everyone who's checking out the live stream. Again, uh, two strikes on YouTube at this point. Uh, I think what I'll do is have a secondary channel spun up and just go from there. I have a Within the Stones channel that I'm gonna be starting putting some of those highlights of the course and getting people more attracted to the mini course so we can scale that up and get people learning those skills and help people get their voice out there. Um, but what I'd like to do now is just go into another clip here. This is from Timcast. And uh, you see we're kind of doing like a miniature version of the Grand Theft World here on TylerBlair.com today. Sharing clips, uh, rolling the, the articles, and getting the information out. So this is something that's happened recently. So to provide more context to this show, and I really like uh, this little section here. We'll play, I don't know, about five minutes of this clip here. Again, this is Timcast. You can find this article here on GrandTheftWorld.com. And uh, we pulled these people in through RSS. Uh, you can go and click back to where that post was originally found. And it's embedded right here in the site. So uh, let's go ahead and check this out. I need to click. Next level of how uh, insane this gets. Confirmation from Axios. Google suspends Parler from App Store after deadly capital violence. This is not going to stop it. It's, it's a simple APK download, okay? Google takes it out of the Play Store, and then they put it up on their website. So when you open your phone and you go to parlor.com, eventually at some point, I assume, it'll say download the APK. You'll click it. Boom, you got it. What does removing it from the Play Store do? It slows things down significantly. I mean, you think we, we were suspended from Google Play and App Store for like Minds. six months. Yeah, yeah. So you go to minds.com slash mobile and get the mobile app. Now you can get the APK or you can get us in the app stores. But like, you know, that hurt us and it, it, it will hurt Parlor. And, you know, that it's... And the thing is that it's become too polarized. It's like the left, you know, Twitter, the left wing social network, Parler, yeah. the right wing social network. It's like it, it need, we need from a high level at the companies to be having serious conversations, Nationally. live streaming and saying, how are we going to bring this community together? How are or, we going to deal with these people or nationalized social media or a globalized then, one? One that follows the U.S. Constitution that we create. I mean, it will be globalized. It can be anybody yeah, in the world we, can use it and it will follow the U.S. Constitution. Yes. I don't think they would ever. And ever. an app we need, a website, social network that does it, and we need um, an ISP that follows the U.S. Constitution that's not a private company. So let, let me read a little bit of this. They say, quote, In order to protect user safety on Google Play, our longstanding policies require that apps displaying user-generated content have moderation policies and enforcement that removes egregious content like posts that incite violence. Jose Castaneda, a Google spokesperson, said, in light of this ongoing and urgent public safety threat, we are suspending the apps listing from the Play Store until it addresses these issues. What does that mean? Uh, you're not allowed to incite violence on Parler. They'll ban you for it. No, no joke. In fact, Parler's got very strict rules. My understanding is that they, they operate on what's called like a broadcast standard, meaning you actually can't like you can't say certain things that are free speech. And that's the, and that's the way they run their platform. I mean, it's it's a Gab 2.0 situation. Basically, and, and the problem, you know, free speech policies, every network should have. But like the fact that there, there's, you know, there are privacy issues and transparency issues with Parler. I'm just going to you know be upfront about that. Like their code is not open source. You can't see their algorithms. If you're listening, guys, open source your code. Like 
networks have to be open source. Otherwise, think, it's not viable in the long term. I think, uh, the, 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 I don't know if the Fediverse is the answer. We've talked about it before. But some kind of decentralized, federated net, social network. The way it would work, it's very simple. This is how the Fediverse works, is that you don't have to use Parler. You would use just you know Fediverse apps, a regular old app you download, and then you you sign into your server or their server or whatever server, and it connects all the different companies into one social media system. Yeah, the Fediverse is great. It's it's the Activity Pub protocol, which Mastodon uses, which um, many sites are integrating. Uh, there's another another one, Polaroma. We're working on Activity Pub integration. Been it's taken way too long for us to do it, but. It's a great protocol. Is, the, the problem, the problem with it though, is that when you subscribe to someone on another node, you the comment threads don't work. Right. It's, it's just like it's so it's sort of messy. It's still good and it's a step in the right direction, but it's not truly decentralized social media because you know the admins can still ban the whole you know the ban, node. They, yeah. they, they can cut off like if there was a networked you know gab connected to mines, you know one platform could cut off the other platform. Right. Yeah. Well, the idea is is preliminary, I suppose. But how do we get to the point where if I choose to follow the president for his updates, no one can take that away ever? I think they call it Internet 2.0. The Tron network was working on something like that. Well, that's what we integrated with with the PermaWeb, with the Arweave blockchain. Basically, you have the option when you post to post to the PermaWeb. Obviously, you don't want every post to be permanent. But the reality is that we're moving into a blockchain decentralized world. And that that is a little bit scary. So Ethereum is going to skyrocket. Ethereum. Yeah, I just bought some. 32. Full disclosure. But uh, you, you bring up a blockchain. I think what a lot of people need to realize is that the, a lot of these networks that use crypto, they're built off of the Ethereum cryptocurrency. And there are some other amazing decentralized social networks like uh, Scuttlebutt is fully decentralized. It's sort of like techy and, and, and tough to use, but it's, it is fully decentralized. So it's on your machine, everything. Um, if, yeah, so ahead. regarding the Arweave yeah. network, if you were to post something um, on the Arweave blockchain and then you owned that post and it was there forever, could it then generate crypto tokens for every view that it accrued? That's not how their system works, but I mean, theoretically, you could build whatever you want. I remember at Burning Man, some people started to do peer-to-peer uh, Bluetooth communications. Um, yeah, uh, uh, I, w- I was on a, a cruise and they told everyone when you come on to download this app. I forgot what it was called. But you turn on Bluetooth, and then this is the craziest thing. You could walk past one person, and all the data is being transmitted from, like, my app to their app. And then when they walk past another person, it bounces to, like, five more mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And then created this mesh internet yep. where if I was standing 10 feet from you, you were 10 feet from me, and Ian was 10 feet from, you know, you know Bob Smith. And then Bob Smith sent a message. It would relay through everyone to Absolutely. me. That's yeah, local amazing. networks. That's yeah. amazing. That, that's really important for countries that don't have serious infrastructure. Yeah, that is pretty well, cool sounding, actually. And this is, uh, again, Tim Cast. Um, that's Luke Radowski there and Tim Poole. And I'm not sure who that other guy is. And Ian, um, I think they're involved with Minds.com. Um, good show. Uh, you know, I don't fully, like, adhere or agree to everything that everybody says on the information that I share out there. There it goes. There's that little that little thing I got to say every now and then, right? Um, I'm on Minds.com. I have been on there for some time. I faded away from it for a while. Uh, today, after kind of hearing that clip and seeing where we're at, I said, hey, what's the problem with uh, reinvigorating that platform again and getting it back going for me? Uh, just to have a way, you know, out to get stuff out. And uh, 
I've heard weird things about it. You know, I've heard people say that there's weird stuff with the with the token, and they've seen strange analytics. And I'm not really concerned about the token. I typically on all these different platforms don't give a shit about the token or whatever currency or thingy they're using to make it work. More for me, it's a how resilient is the server? How usable is the technology? Do they have a live streaming integration? Are they able to keep the content up? Are they able to come up with interesting ways to keep things like, uh, you know, child pedo stuff off the site and still not censor, uh, not be a publisher in that way, but to come up with ways so that there isn't a way for the average Joe to just easily go stumble across or find things like that. And um, I think mine's, as far as what I can tell, does a decent job at that. Now, I'm on a bunch of different other places as well. But one thing I would like to say uh, is... Andy and LD, thank you guys very much for the donations uh, to make sure that the Streamlab thing works. It looks like it did go through. I'm not exactly sure how that works on the back end, and I have like the bare, basic minimum infrastructure here set up. But if one of you guys knows how to integrate the Streamlabs uh, thing that I'm using here with the tips so they pop up on the screen, uh, let me know because I'm using uh, Streamlabs OBS today to do this and. I don't know how to integrate it. I've not looked into that yet. I don't know how to make it pop up on the screen. That would be cool though. And then we could also like have your questions read um, throughout the show if there's a question. Because I plan to do a lot more live streaming like regardless of whatever happens over with my YouTube channel. Um, I'm actually in searching out and making a list of equipment right now that I'm going to purchase. And have the ability to have this room here. Um, I was waiting to see what was going to happen with our living arrangement, and, and but then I said, you know what, I'll just move forward. And what I need to do is basically just L-shape that desk that you can see there with the new monitor on it and the desk that I'm at now in, more in the center of this room. And then there could be a, a few guests. There could be two or three or four guests even in this room at that uh, with the L-shaped desk facing each other central towards the room, but they're L, so you're not like having monitors in front of you because I have a lot of monitors over on this desk. And anyway, there'll be room for people that want to come by here and we'll invite people out and I have some guests coming up later this month So I have an incentive to try to get that set up now uh, There's gonna be some cost associated with that So I think I can uh, scope out some very bare minimum of what I would need to have a better setup like that and uh, Move on from the blue snowball um, so but anyway this the tips and and uh, Streamlabs tips are extremely appreciated for that reason because uh, that's what we'll do we'll just keep scaling up the quality of the show and the guests and the content that goes on and uh, help get the information out and then help teach people how to do it at the same time and I'm not saying like I'm the pro guy that that everybody should listen to but what I say is that everyone should have their own Tom Green show at this point you know like if you don't have your own Tom Green show at this point what the hell's going on, you know? What's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, no, but Tom Green had a show back in the day that influenced people like Joe Rogan where he had a show basically built in his parents' living room, right? He was broadcasting like right out of his, his home and he was just set up like with a couch and a desk and, a, you know, kind of like a late night talk show situation. And at this point in the game, yeah, like everybody should have their own Tom Green show. So they can express themselves and present themselves and present uh, the information and have a voice out there, uh, be a, a voice in the choir, you know. Uh, there's a lot that could be done from one person and uh, anyone 
uh, that would want help getting over those things even there's ways we can help with that too uh, i would like to pitch uh do a little plug here let's do a little plug for productions at bennywills.com where you can find his course parhesia and he's getting ready to launch this course uh, we've uh, helped him with the beta season and get that set up uh, from autonomy unlimited we did a lot of work to help him fine-tune things and make sure he knew what it felt like to, to do a live production course he now is ready to go for the course itself and you can find out more about that at productions.bennywills.com or just bennywills.com follow through the links to get to parhesia and um, for now what you can do to sign up is just save your seat and get in because i think the seats are filling up fast and he's running close to the point where he's going to launch it uh, you could also just learn more from Benny by going to bennywells.com Benny Wells of Joy Camp and again he's back in that uh, episode 8 of the Grand Theft World podcast in the second half also soon to be published out on Richard Grove's YouTube channel just the selection of that uh, interview um, but here you can um, sign up to f just learn more about Benny and what he does through the meme show and the memes that he does uh, each week uh, meme Mondays and you can get into his kind of his email list through going through here without having to go and sign up for Parhesia. So either one of those methods, I'm just going to put that little plug in here in the live stream for Benny. Now, in the lines with what Tim Cast and them were just talking about and decentralization and uh, owning uh, your hardware and being able to publish from there, let's go into an article that my... Uh, let's see if I can find it here. I got too many damn tabs. Okay, from Jeffrey Paul. It's called Your Computer Isn't Yours. And this uh, Mark Passio turned me on to. And I'm sorry, Mark, but I stole your idea where you said you wanted to cover this article live on a podcast. Uh, I won't do it the justice you will, so I'm sure you'd be fine to go ahead and continue to still do that. <laughs> and I only have, you know, there'll be like 10 people watching this whole, whole show. So it's not gonna it's not gonna be a spoiler for when you finally do do that, and I encourage you to do so. And uh, maybe before we close out, we can give some updates on what's been going on with Mark. I think the Natural Law Podcast is going to be coming out soon, and the One Great Work Network is getting close a lot closer too. Just checking a few technical things here. Now I want to try to go to end of this article a little bit in context of the show and censorship and what's coming. I've not even read through the full article. I think there's a lot of like updates and sections to it. I'm not sure that we'll get through the whole thing. Yeah, there's like questions and answers. Okay, so let's just get through the bulk of the point here. Again, this is TylerBloyer.com live stream show. Go ahead and hit like and share this out. There have been several updates appended to this page as of 2020, uh, 11, 16. So it's a recent article. See below. And he makes it clear where the updates are. It's just, it's like an article. It's not like we have to be all that well sourced here, but it is pretty well sourced. It's here. It's happening. Did you notice? I'm speaking, of course, of the world that Richard Stallman predicted in 1997. And you can go find that article there. The Right to Read by Richard Stallman. That sounds really interesting. The one Corey Doctorow also warned us about. On modern versions of macOS, you simply can't power on your computer, launch a text editor, or ebook reader, 
and sorry, I'm I'm always distracted by the tech, and then it sounds like I can't read very well. But just checking this really quick. Okay. And write or read without a log of your activity being transmitted and stored. It turns out that in the current versions of the Mac OS and the OS send or the OS sends to Apple a hash unique identifier of each and every program you run. When you run it, lots of people didn't realize it this because it's silent and invisible and it's fairly inst it fails instantly and gracefully when you're offline. But today the server got really slow and it didn't hit the failsafe code path and everyone's apps failed to open if they were connected to the internet. I don't know if it meant if they were not, if that's how the code failed. Oh no, the server got really slow. Okay, and then it links back to a source on that. You can go read about that event apparently here on that site. Because it does this using the internet, the server sees your IP, of course, and knows what time the request came in. An IP address, oops, an IP address allows for course, city level, and ISP level geolocation, and allows for a table that has the following heading, date, time, computer, ISP, city, state, application, hash. Apple or anyone else can of course calculate these hashes for common programs. Everything in Apple in the App Store, the Creative Cloud, Tor browser, cracking or reversing engine tools, whatever. This means that Apple knows when you're at home, when you're at work, what apps you open there, and how often. But they they know when you open Premiere over at a friend's house on their Wi Fi, and they know when you open a Tor browser in a hotel on a trip to another city. Who cares, I hear you asking. Well, it's not just Apple. This information doesn't stay with them. The OCSP requests are transmitted, and that's a certificate, SSL certificate protocol. Requests are transmitted unencrypted. Everyone who can see the network can see these, including your ISP. Anyone who has tapped their cables, or basically just inspects the SSL uh, information metadata. These requests go to a third-party CDN run by another company, Akamai, Content Distribution Network. Since October of 2012, Apple is a partner in the U.S. military intelligence community's PRISM spying program, and Bill Benny talks about that quite a bit in that interview. You can go check out uh, PRISM and more about that, and like I said, go watch that interview with Benny. And that grants the U.S. federal police and military unfettered access to this data without a warrant any time they ask for it. In the first half of 2019, they did go over 18,000 times and another 17,500 plus times in the second half of 2019. I'm not sure what that means. Let's go see what's that saying. The transparency report. Apple is committed to your privacy. Let's see. So, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what he means there. Maybe we can circle back to that. Since October of 2012, Apple has partnered with the U.S. military's PRISM, which grants federal... 
Oh, the warrants. Okay, so that's how many warrants. They did this over 18,000 times and 17,000. Okay, interesting. This data amounts to, to and I bet, and how many were denied would be interesting to know. This data amounts to a tremendous trove of data about your life and habits and allows someone possessing all of it to identify your movement and activity patterns. For some people, this can even pose a psychological, a physical danger to them. Now it's been possible up until today to block this sort of stuff on your Mac using a program like Little Snitch. Really, the only thing keeping me using macOS at this point, so he's saying the only thing keeping him on there is Little Snitch. In the default configuration, it blanket allows all of the computer, all of the computer to Apple communications, but you can disable those default rules and go on and approve or deny each of these connections. And your computer will continue to work fine without snitching on you to Apple. The version of macOS that was released today, 11.0, allows Big Sur, and or sorry, known as Big Sur, has a new API that it, new new APIs that prevent Little Snitch from working the same way. The new APIs don't permit Little Snitch to inspect or block any OS level processes. Additionally. The new rules on macOS 11 even hobble VPNs so that Apple apps will use, will simply bypass them. Yeah, but I mean, just like Klaus Schwab said, and you know, with the Great Reset book and everything like that, like you don't need to actually own anything, you know, by 2030, uh, you won't own anything and uh, you'll be happy, you know, you won't need to even own your computer. You'll basically just lease it uh, for your energy, uh, you know, the government uh, whatever we we known as that time, the United Global Governments of We Love You, will come into your home and they'll plop a bunch of hardware in a room like this. And as long as you sit down and crank out those widgets that the governments have a new widget that day, probably to enslave some third world country somewhere that needs to pay back their debts to the one world government f uh, fealty at that point uh, in some sort of neo-feudalism, which we already have going on globally, worldwide, with the IMF and the World Bank, uh, will uh, give you your universal basic income will be provided as long as, you know, you've also gotten all the vaccines, uh, you don't say any of the wrong things on any, any of the public forums, uh, you, you control your thoughts like a good uh, 1984 person uh, with the thought police and the thought crimes that you don't commit any of those either, right? Uh, that's how dystopic this article is. And what it's implying the future is headed towards on the slippery slope towards you won't even be able to own your own damn hardware in your house and the these tech overlords will be allowed to just censor and the, even the applications that you're allowed to use in the way that you want to use the stuff that you've bought and well well don't worry i mean they've got plans for that you won't be able to buy uh you'll just be given based on your behavior once again moving into the energy economy of uh using the energy of human beings as a form of fuel and uh, as slaves who have to obey completely or they won't be able to do anything else besides just be exterminated. Um, and that's what, you know, we're going into here in the neo-feudalistic uh, era. And we're, we're already there, really. I mean, we're not going into that. All right, so continuing. Patrick Wardall lets us know that trusted... Trust D, the daemon responsible for these requests, is in a new content filter exclusion list in Mac OS 11, 
which means it can't be blocked by any user control firewall or VPN. In his screenshot, it shows, here, let's see, this is, <clears throat> I was just gonna connect to his Twitter, so that's not all that helpful. That's a status, okay, here's the screenshot. Deny outgoing TCP connections to port 80. The OCSP.apple.com. Which means it can be blocked by any user, blah, 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 in his screenshot, blah, blah, blah. He used, he, he used uh, sorry, let's go back a little bit. It, show, it also shows that comm center used for making phone calls from your Mac and maps will also leak past your firewall VPN, potentially compromising your voice traffic and future planned location information. Those shiny new Apple Silicon Macs just are, uh, that Apple just announced, three times faster, 50% more battery life. They won't run any OS before Big Sur, so you're stuck with it if you buy new stuff. Of course, these machines are the first general purpose computers ever where you have to make an exclusion choice an exclusive choice. You can have a fast and efficient machine or you can have a private one. Apple mobile devices already have already been this way for several years, sort of using an external network filtering service device like a travel VPN router that you can totally control. There will be no way to boot any OS on the app on the new Apple Silicon Macs that won't phone home. And you can't modify the OS to prevent this, or they won't boot at all due to the hardware-based cryptographic protections. All right, so just going along those lines, he's basically saying that you, you're purchasing the hardware from Apple, and they're preventing you to run you know, apps that aren't approved by them, software that's not approved by them on their hardware. And that's sort, sort of a philosophical difference on how do you want to be treated as a consumer. Um, versus like having an unlocked phone or an Android phone where you could still go and per put apps on like they were talking about in that Timcast clip, right? Like Parler can still be installed even if Google Play Store doesn't have it. You could just go to parlor.com. They could even have a QR code there. You, you scan the code, it installs the app, and you're off and running. Um, so that's kind of the issue. It's, it's more of a philosophical difference. Do you want to have people who sell you something that you buy it and they're claiming that you don't really own it though that you can't do what, what you want with it you can't actually use it in a way that they might not recommend or would you rather have more freedom uh, with the hardware that you purchased to be able to do whatever you want with it and let individuals do what they want with it um, obviously you could see the issue here would be a central control over a technology now you have uh, potential for malicious hands to even you know take over that particular core and then now be censoring certain apps that might be uh, putting out a counter narrative to what the mainstream uh, mind controlled narrative from the mainstream satanic uh, media who's been completely infiltrated and in lies to the US public and the worldwide uh, public every day and uh, just spews their satanic garbage into the uh, mass mind continuously 24 7 and manipulates people all day every day uh, and makes them think that they're somehow knowledgeable and wise to the world and how it actually works by watching something like CNN or MSNBC or Fox News or NPR all these things that are 
Now, again, going back to this central control problem of having a few people uh, have the power to manipulate and control all the information that's available to people, you have a, a major problem where they could then manipulate people on a mass scale and uh, get away with it in large instances, such as we see in an event like uh, September 11th, 9-11, uh, where you know there was obviously some things there that were not right, but now throughout history just kind of passes into being the mainstream story of what happened, and there's a large number of questions unanswered and things that are completely anomalous to reality when you look at the NIST uh, papers and physics and go and look at the Alaska Fairbanks study on how World uh, Trade Center Building 7 could not have collapsed in the way that was described and when you really need to reinvestigate uh, the whole physics of the phenomenon of that building collapsing with the minimal damage that it had, right? But if the mainstream media uh, continuously just tells you that it was uh, Osama bin Laden and uh, never alludes to you know any of the information about how Osama bin Laden was a CIA asset uh, created by the CIA and funded and helped uh, to be a puppet basically where they then had him as a patsy for the 9-11 events and uh, you know ended up killing him on a simulated video game replay that you can see and there was a lot of really high definition footage of Hillary and Barack watching that go down and uh, we lost some boys out there but we dropped him off in sea because that's what you do with a worldwide terror criminal when he uh, should be held accountable or at least shown to people that he's actually been captured, but you just dump them in the sea instead because, uh, you know, that's how things go. So again, I don't want to get off on too big of a tangent here, but let's see if uh, there were any updates worth reading in the article. Check a couple things here with Zitek. Make sure everything is looking okay. Um, all right, so update from 11-13-2020. It comes to my attention that it may be possible to disable the boot time protections and modify the signed system volume, the SSV, on Apple Silicon Max via the BP Util tool. I've one on order. I've one on order, like I've got one on order and I will investigate and report on this blog. I understand that this would still only permit the booting of Apple signed Mac OS, albeit perhaps with certain objectionable systems, processes removed or disabled, more data forthcoming when I have had the system at hand. Your computer now serves a remote master who has decided that they are entitled to spy upon you. If you've the most efficient high-res laptop in the world, you can't turn this off. So the article continues. It looks like the updates are just um, put in there as you go. Your computer now serves a remote master, blah, blah. Let's not think very much right now about the additional fact that Apple can, via these online certificate checks, prevent you from launching any app they or their government demands be censored, hint, hint, ominous foreshadowing to the future. <laughs> Dear Frog, this water is now boiling. The day that Stallman and Dr. O have been warning us about has arrived this week. It's been a slow, gradual process, but we are finally here. You will receive no further alerts. 
See also the January 21st article from 2020, Apple dropped the plan for encrypting backups after FBI complained. Probably unrelated. In other news, Apple has quietly backdoored the end-to-end cryptography of the iMessage. Presently, modern iOS will prompt you for your Apple ID during setup and will automatically enable iCloud and iCloud backups. iCloud backups are not end-to-end encrypted. It encrypts your device backup to Apple keys. Every device with iCloud backup enabled, it's only on by default, backs up by the complete iMessage history to Apple along with the device's iMessage secrets, secret keys, which night when plugged in, each night when plugged in. Apple can decrypt and read this information without ever being, without ever touching the device. Even if you have iCloud and or iCloud backup disabled, it's likely that whoever you're iMessaging with does not, and that your conversation is being uploaded to Apple and via Prism, freely available to the U.S. military intelligence community, FBI, at all, without no, with no warrant or probable cause. That's great. Use Signal, he, he throws. <laughs> Use Signal. Use Keybase, I'll add to that. Updates, 11-16-2020. Uh, what are the facts? This is a quote apparently from Robert Heinlein. What are the facts? Again, and again, and again. What are the facts? Shun wishful thinking. Ignore divine revelation. Forget what the stars foretell. Avoid opinion. Care not what the neighbors think. Never mind the unguessable verdict of history. What are the facts? And how many decimal places? You pilot always into an unknown future. Facts are your single clue. Get the facts. From Robert Heinlein. That quote was read or put in this article. That guy, Jacopau, who supposedly debunked my primary claim, is lying. It's evidence on his own page, and you can go see for yourself. This request simply blah blah, something about the hash IDs and something else. Oops, he also claims that the Mac OS doesn't send out. Okay, so let's. Just kind of skip through this a little bit. I think that we get the idea here. Now you can go find this article underneath the main show notes. It looks like it also continues on quite well written like you've heard so far. I mean, it's like uh, good information to go and understand more about. And we'll lead the rest of that to see uh, if Mark Passio ever does want to do a full episode on that. Then there's more to be uncovered. (laughs) But a good dystopic... Uh, look into what's going on, you know, and you know, again, coming from a more freedom-oriented mindset, it seems like this person, uh, Jeffrey Paul, who I don't know all that much about, but it's a it's a philosophical difference. It's like the difference between communism and freedom, or communism and uh, you know, capitalism, even. Do you, you know some central dictatorship who? now can just go tell Apple to just shut you off or to just shut off your access to apps or shut off the apps access to even work or for your system to even boot is now possible. And, you know, most people don't are not going to see that as problematic at all. And so what that article is explaining again is, you know, that these piece of these people are basically Nazis uh, who've, 
created a fascist world dictatorship, they think, who now can then just take someone like the president of the United States and just censor and ban them and silence them and, and that uh, people who elected him even should just be perfectly okay with that. There's nothing wrong with the technopoly tech d dictatorship overlords censoring and stopping speech, even from the damn president in the United States. I mean, and, and you know, if you just pull your head out of your mainstream media brainwashing bubble and just look objectively at what happened, some idiots that were probably agent provocateurs and obviously were assisted and helped by the police, being that the White House wasn't even fenced off at the time of this march on the Capitol, uh, then it's obviously a psyop mainly. And then the other idiots that were there are mainly just idiots because a lot of people who believe in things like statism and government and politics and the media are fooled and morons who will go and do things like try to break into a room with armed guards and I'm, I really am sorry and feel horrible about the people that were injured and killed in this event and I it's almost like terrifying to see you know what could happen when people buy into the Q stuff and all this like uh, 4chan and oh my god it's happening the revolution you know and they're in there thinking they're having some sort of revolution in a place when in the modern day it's fourth generational it's in the mind it's outside of the context of a physical locale again going back to where it starts and where it begins and where freedom happens is an attitudinal and in the mind sort of thing it's not in a place anymore you know and it needs to happen in this battlefield where we're out here fighting the battle in uh, this sphere as well as being physically prepared should uh, some chaos erupt nearby or something happen, you know, in your home or should they start sending droids near to each home uh, droids uh, like, you know, robots, drones and things like that to vaccinate you and track, trace and database you in your own home. At that point, you know, I'd be well, I'd want to be prepared with some ways to defend myself if possible and my family because I do have boundaries and lines and things that I will not allow to happen. But that does not mean I'm going to go storming the castle thinking that I'm going to take something over for, for the cause of sake of liberty. You know, the cause and sake of liberty needs to be occurring here in my, uh, in, in between my temples and in, inside of my school and be able to philosophize and theorize and uh, pass down wisdom to my children to make sure that freedom stays intact. Okay, so, and it also happens with computer and hardware nowadays too, and you need to understand the stuff and the th problems that he was bringing up there in that article. Okay, so along those lines, let me close some of these things down that I pulled up from that article. We also have uh, back an older article here uh, from The Guardian on how the NSA collected U.S. email records in bulk for more than two years under Obama. And I forget why I had this here in the show notes other than to just, you know, go over again and highlight how this has been a problem for many years. And it's not just something that's recently going on, obviously, uh, since back under the Patriot Act in 2001 is when they officially started telling us that they were spying on us, but this, it was going on way before that. So um, the Patriot Act in 2001, which now has been developed into the Freedom Act and now into like the ever more patriotic Freedom Act is still spying on you and collecting all your data. And even if they were to say that they've stopped, uh, I wouldn't believe them anyway, but they're still 
getting all the data as they have been for 20 plus years now. Um, you can go back and look at the, you know, Prism was developed back at AT&T uh, with, with uh, fiber tapping NSA wire closet. Maybe that'll get it. Room 641A. Room 641A is a telecommunications interception facility operated by AT&T for the U.S. National Security Agency as part of the Warrantless Surveillance Program as authorized by the Patriot Act. This facility <laughs> commenced operations in 2003. That's hilarious, man, the fact that the top of this article is trying to make you think that that's when this stuff started. <laughs> oh, man. The censorship is real. I mean, it definitely goes back to before then. All right, so let's dig a little bit deeper here into some actual facts. I don't know what that was, Wikipedia. Um, this is just some garbage. I mean, I used to have this like stuff readily available at my fingertips back in the day. I'll have to pull that up. See if I had a control room myself, I could say, control room, can you pull up the AT&T wiretapping uh, history of the NSA bending uh, fiber lines around the corner and stealing and using uh, NARIS devices? That's what it was. Uh, NARIS switch. Maybe that's the name of it. We're doing it live. The device is made by Yaris, Naris. What we know about the NSA, Spiring Pack, blah, blah, blah. This might get us a little closer. Plans for the secret room drawn up in 2002 discussed the difficulties of trying to spy on fiber optic circuits. Unlike copper wire circuits, they emit electromagnetic fields that can be tapped without disturbing the circuits. Fiber optic circuits don't leak their light signals. In order to monitor communications crossing them, technicians have to physically cut the fiber and divert portions of the light, siphoning it off. AT&T diverted the split signal into a special cabinet into a secret room. There was a device made by NARS, analyzed the traffic, and presumably filtered. Um, I'm still not finding the dates that go back to before 2000s. As far as I understood, this was happening back in the 90s. Um, but this seems to also say that it was going on around the time that they allowed it by law, which I think really is just more covered up bullshit, honestly. So we'll, we'll touch back on this in the future. We're spinning our wheels right now here in the censorship. You know, we've been we've been lost in the algorithm here. The information has been lost in the algorithm. Maybe I have it in my brain. Let's see. ATT Naris, maybe. Okay, we'll come back to that. Um, let's go into some solutions. We've been going for an hour and a half here. I probably only meant to really do the full show at an hour and a half. So let's skip into some things then. Let's close some of these tabs out. We've got way too many tabs. Open. I'd like to read at this point in the game, actually, before jumping into solutions, an article here, <laughs> an article, 
an email was sent to me by the YouTube the propaganda police who said that I had broke the policy on the violating the graphic content and getting ready for human 2.0. I think this is where I received my second strike from the Fuhrer up there to the YouTube making his community guidelines. We wanted to let you know that our team reviewed your content. We think it violates violent or graphic content policy. We know that you may not have realized it, but it was one of our violations of policy, so we are not so we're not applying a strike to your channel. However, we have removed the following content. Oh that's great news. Oh we may only have one strike. I think I didn't really fully read this. I thought they had striked me again, but I, maybe I only have one strike up to this point. And that was this uh here that they are talking about. This is getting ready for human two this is the stream, and I do not see how it was violent or graphic. I mean, I think what they really didn't like is the fact that uh, Dr. Kerry Medej was in there talking about the COVID-19 vaccines. I'm pretty sure that's the clip that did it. Um, but of course, we have it up here on BitChute. Um, so Facebook also recently, let's see what they said. I had a post taken down. It was me sharing that um young woman who was killed at the Capitol video on Facebook and then they took that down saying the same thing that it was too graphic and you know maybe that makes sense I guess not really I don't think there should be censorship for videos like that that people need to see about the types of activities that go on and uh, when a police officer was just hiding around the corner with these people breaking into the building and just shoots a woman and kills her right in the face that's a bit of a problem, and I think we need people to see that. I don't think it should be censored, and I think people need to see what can happen on both sides of that, um, where one people, maybe they shouldn't have been breaking that property. Maybe they shouldn't have been breaking into that building, but I, I really do, don't think that that man should have shot that woman and then just did whatever he did, cowered off back in the corner, and it didn't stop the people getting in there. It didn't stop the people breaking into the Capitol building. So what was the point? At that point, it had already been breached, so what, why would you you know, murder somebody like that uh, right there in broad daylight on, caught on camera and, and then the social media tech giants think that you shouldn't be able to see something like that. It's ridiculous. Um, you can go see it over at the resistance.video or band.video, okay? Band.video! Band.video! Uh, and go, you can check out Human 2.0 on BitChute, on Library. Uh, I have not implemented all the different links here easily accessible but you know it's, it is accessible uh, David Knight also left Infowars recently I had a clip here lined up uh, that we'll probably put into the next show talking about vaccinations and he's over on BitChute as well so if you're not on BitChute yet if it's because the mobile app use BitSlide BitSlide is actually pretty good And until they, they just got their funding, I, I believe BitChute met their funding. So they're going to have a live streaming platform coming up soon. They'll probably have a better search function, a better app. Um, BitSlide, which, I mean, it's definitely available if you search it on the, or it used to be available on the Play Store. Here it is. This is actually pretty good. The BitChute app itself is horrible. BitSlide. Uh, I would go with that. I use it for BitChute on my phone when I'm wanting to go check out some things on BitChute. And it, I think it does a much better job. I don't know why, again, Google seems to be doing some funky shit here trying to suppress it. 
<laughs> just but you can find it out there i promise man uh when, and then this was really good uh, uh one of the other channels you can find on there is the base uh this person re-uploads content i'm pretty sure they're just like an aggregator but one of the examples and they were talking about in this documentary like event 201 and how that links back to the anthrax scare back in 2001 which was happening like right around the time of 9 11 which is really interesting uh, to go back and revisit that history and maybe that clip again can also roll into the next show and stellar wind you can read more about that program that benny exposes and talks about in that interview from tragedyandhope.com and more of the track trace and database system and how it's been set up and so i'm just burning through some of this tabs that i had open another great person that you can go check out i mean great person i don't know whatever he's he makes good content that the headline will usually tell like what he's going to talk about and that's when i'll go watch it he has self-proclaimed like uh um not i mean it does say sticks hex and hammer 666 which would seem to appear to be more satanic but i think he's just um like pagan dude nord nordic pagan dude who lives in amsterdam or some sweden or something and he he's putting out really good stuff about censorship and i don't think we have room well let's let's just hear a little bit of what he has to say here handful of unelected big tech billionaires who are openly promoted by individuals who call themselves liberals they don't appear to know what liberal actually means they don't resemble the anti-war left that i used to know they don't resemble the liberals of the 90s uh, i think that they resemble lemmings i think at this point more than anything else it's time that creators begin platforming one another and helping one another on a, a new level um, I've been encouraging this basic premise now for years. One of the things that I started doing was shouting out people's BitChute channels, giving them a boost up to, to help the platform, to help myself, and to help them. At this point, I'm going to say this. I have vast and broad ideological differences of opinion with most creators I've ever encountered. I have broad ideological differences of opinion even with fellow libertarians. I do not believe in open borders, for instance. I happen to be pro-choice. This rankles some people. I have huge disagreements over religion. I've debated some people on these things, like Nick Fuentes. He's a Catholic. I'm an irreligious pagan. Uh, and so we clash on this. But at the end of the day, we're all sort of in this together. The internet's a huge place, and ideological content creation, I believe, is is worth saving. So at this point, really, we're faced with the following situation. It's now clear that a handful of billionaires intend to destroy the internet as we know it, or at least, you know, try to. They're, they're going to upend things. They're doing this for money and power. They're not doing this to save the children, to stop extremism, to cancel hate. Those are all corporate sponsor buzz, buzzwords that they use. It's propaganda. It's linguistic bullshit. It's, it's a pitch to people. It's sort of like the Patriot Act or clean coal or anti-fascist action. There are leftists on YouTube. There are leftists on Twitter. I spar with them. There are libertarians, conservatives. There are people that are far more moralistic and traditionalistic than I am. There are people with a million different views of how to solve the current tech situation. Repeal 230. Reform 230. Oh, let's have secession and balkanization. All sorts of different bizarre, and sometimes bizarre opinions about basically everything because people are opinionated. At the end of the day, I consider some of those ideas to be flat-out dangerous. 
Certain ideas that I see peddling, and not even those that will get you banned, I consider to be dangerous. For instance, I think that the concept of UBI is economically dangerous. I happen to be at variance with the left on this. But at the end of the day, no proposal that they're making other than promoting censorship, which is coming predominantly from lamestream establishment liberal voices at this point, not even from the left, other than that, not a single proposal that they're making is as dangerous as the idea that six unelected multi-billionaires that control all of human communication should collude together in order to essentially destroy your livelihood. The number of lives that could potentially be ruined by this and the violence potentially that could be spawned by such actions is, is horrifying to tell the truth.
Cassandra just came in and informed me that I had my mute button on. And so I really apologize for that. I'm glad that she did that because I could have gone on for a lot longer without realizing it. And we're just doing it live here. Uh, so let's go back. What was I talking about? I was saying, you know, that I agree with him and that on section 230, thank you sticks for bringing that up because section 230 is important to talk about. And if it gets repealed, then essentially what would happen is these tech companies would be held liable uh, for anything posted on their website. And that could cause major problems for that's too bad that I was muted because I was doing a really good impression there on what the people over at the uh, Royal Institute for International Affairs. Oh, I mean the Council on Foreign Relations and how much they love you and how much they care about you and and care about Internet, uh, you know, liability and things like that. And also how much Maury Strong and how much Cecil Rhodes and the people that were trying to get the United States involved in World War and involved in the United Nations for peace back then was called the League of Nations love you and how they had to make a Council on Foreign Relations a think tank entity to influence and propagandize the American people in such a way that they would uh, get themselves involved in something like a world uh, governance organization known as the United Nations. Um, those guys over at the Council on Foreign Relations wanted uh, to let you know that if Section 230 gets repealed, essentially what would happen is these tech companies would be held liable for their content and the posts of their users, and then that could cause a lot of legal action, that could cause a lot of problems for them that could become um, an, a, too big of a risk for them to be staying in business or to keep the users on their platform. So what do you think they would do at that point? They would then start doing a mass censorship and mass uh, banning of people even more so than they are now, such as like what went on with uh, Trump the other night where they just outright banned him for posting that people should go home and stop uh, protesting and then they banned him <laughs> or something like that. I don't remember what he posted exactly. Uh, but yeah, so why was it ever passed? Section 230 was conceived in response to two court cases in the 1990s that dealt with the liability of internet companies for defamation posts on their website. In one case, a federal court in New York ruled that the company CompuServe was not liable because it was merely a host and did not moderate any of the content on its forums. And, uh, you know, again, we're going back to where, where people stand on this kind of stuff. I know it's not just one way, but would you be more in, in the freedom would allow people to post on these platforms and not have the platform be held liable for everything that goes on because people should have freedom of speech and the modern way to do that is through publishing on the internet and these these common forums are not just private companies that can just do what they want uh, with the users on their on their forums that that right there is problematic in thinking that way um, they're provided that you can go and create these free accounts on, on these open forums where you should be able to post and speak freely, especially if you're not inciting violence or like inciting violence against children. But now there's central authorities which can decide where you can speak and what you can say and how you can say it. And this is really problematic for companies like Library, like uh, Minds, like BitChute, like um, Parler who can then have a lot of problems if they're allowing certain users on their platforms. And I could see this as being a big war on alt tech and we could only have like a few that survive through this. There could be, um, 
you know, just a bit shooter that makes it out of it, like one company. So it's important to be distributed. Uh, that's why earlier when I was muted, I brought up on the screen as well, Autonomy Unlimited, who if you'd like to learn more about how to protect your business or your content or your digital assets from big tech censorship, uh, we can help you do that with our content safe partnership and people like myself from within the Stones Media Network who are special we have uh, sp specialized our skills in distributing content out more widely um, so order a free can't depend on unpaid subscribers watch that video learn more about content safe some of the other solutions let's jump back to ipfs interplanetary file system that could be a big because one of the biggest problems is dns um, they could basically just start blocking you from reaching um, websites like back here in October of 2016 if you remember um, I can gave up uh, the ownership of the DNS naming system domain naming system and uh, to a more centralized like organization that can then make decisions as an organization that's not in the hands of the US government to be able to decide like how things work as far as that goes now this is a big deal with uh, censorship because um, this could include a way to censor people via DNS so for example like if you work at a company they can use the name of a website to block and so that you can't get to it based on like the category of that website or whatnot if you do that globally you could start to block people from accessing sites like WikiLeaks let's say WikiLeaks.com or uh, Parler and way around that problem which is a real problem that could definitely rear its ugly head in the very near future you could start seeing uh, some kind of block page you'll land on a site it just won't be available and if you don't know the IP of that site and most likely you're not gonna have it memorized and they probably have a dynamic IP so you won't be able to just use the IP you'll go and you won't be able to get to that website anymore like parlor.com and they'll just it, it'll just be blacklisted from the DNS they won't you won't be able to resolve DNS and that ability is in place. Now there's ways around that with many different techniques. One being IPNS, this is IPFS's naming system, this uh, interplanetary name system. Um, and that would resolve that through using hash uh, hashes with IPFS slash the hash. And IPNS uh, makes that longer string into a more, a shorter string and it's kind of wonky the way that works, but there's DNS link, which is a, a newer and more robust DNS system from IPFS and with DNS link uses DNS text files to record to map a domain name like IPFS.io to an IPFS address because you can edit your DNS records you can use them to always point to the latest version uh, version of an object in IPFS remember that an IPFS object address changes if you modify the object since DNS link uses DNS records you can assign names and paths and whatever they are easy type to read and remember a DNS link address looks like an IPNS address but it uses the domain name in place of the hashed public key so that's a lot easier to remember that and you could have your site up using um, DNS link and help resolve your IPFS names. So there's a solution. Uh, going through, there's also what they were talking about in that Timcast episode, like the federated uh, Fediverse, the 
Federation and Universe combined. It's a portmanteau is a word blending of words together. I probably slaughtered the way you say that, but this is an assembly of federated interconnected servers that are used for publishing uh, and blogging and social networking and file hosting, but which, while independently hosted, can communicate with each other on different servers. Instances, users can create so-called identities. These identities are able to communicate over the boundaries of the instances because the software running the servers, um, sorry, took my eye off for a second there. The software running the server supports more than one communication protocol, which allows for the open standard. As an identity of the Fediverse, users are able to post, and that's really important, like what Sticks was saying about open source and being able to open source your software so that people can fork it. They can go and make things like Streamlabs, which is based on OBS, which is open source, which I'm using now. Um, and then people can inspect the code and see how it works and see that there's not backdoors and see that it's secure and actually verify that. Um, but I'm not sure exactly what this is, but it's more about that Fediverse. And then there's the PermaWeb, which they also brought up in that TimCast episode. So I'm just kind of high-leveling that there are solutions and Ethereum and the blockchain internet 2.0 type stuff that they're working on. Uh, IPFS, MadeSafe, ContentSafe, things like this are really uh, you know, going to make a more robust, resilient internet to things like censorship. The fact that they think that they can censor is really just because everybody's attention is in one place on Facebook, Twitter, uh, these other places, YouTube, where it's, it is centralized and people have a lot of trust and faith in these organizations. But as they start to see that maybe their side or their political affiliation starts to get censored more, they'll become you know, Gab is more like a, I guess, like, and Parler more like Republican, where I guess, uh, like other, I don't know if the liberals have alternative media platforms. I don't know. I guess all the alternative media platforms are considered to be more Republican because it's free speech, I guess, is a Republican thing, which I guess it should be a liberal thing, but isn't anymore. Um, there's also sites like Unblock It, which gets you through censorship to these various places that have been attempted to be censored on the internet, making it basically permanently available to you. So bookmark Unblock It. Right now it's .ltd. Uh, there's also Library Genesis or Libgen, where you can download books. There's databases that you can uh, download to your local uh, client and use the app. I would suggest using the app if you're going to get Libgen. Uh, it's uh, pretty easy to set up and then once you have the app locally I think you help not only strengthen the network but then you can also like search these databases of books uh, locally and let, let's say for example uh, you know tragedy and hope the world in our time now digital books have they're downsides, right? They might not be the full version. There might be things wrong with it. There could be a scanned copy, but as you can see there, like if you just needed the text to reference, you can go get it pretty easily. And that could be true for a number of books. So that's a tool. Uh, content or torrents, torrential down, um, data, bit-to-bit -bit or peer-to-peer -peer, uh, technology, obviously. Uh, Gab.ai mentioned that. Mines, we talked about that earlier. And 
All right, I think we made it through. Again, thanks for the tips, guys, on Streamlabs, Lawrence and Andy. You guys are awesome. That ensures to me that it works. I'll make sure now that I can access that money, and then the system will be set up to help tip me on the live show, and we'll continue on uh, with these streams as time goes on. You can also just go to tylerblair.com donate, and there's a way to uh, donate through there if you'd like to help support the show. Uh, beyond that, let's see, just running through my notes to see if anything else was meant to be discussed. I think what we'll do is just close it out with some comedy. Uh, I want to thank everyone who was able to show up and watch the live show today. And, uh, it's again, we, what we need to think about here is, are we willing to let our voices be silenced or are we going to stand up and do something about it? And I fall in the camp of we should definitely stand up and do something about it. And now's the time to do that. There never has been a better time than now to learn some of these things, get on some of these platforms, uh, start. If you're a content creator and you're not thinking about how you're going to get your content out to these other platforms, or you're just not interested in even working with that, uh, like getting all your content re-uploaded somewhere else, um, we can help you with that. We have partnerships with, again, Content Safe that can get your content distributed out to any of these alternative platforms and have it done without you having to lift a finger. You can have a media team uh, without actually having to have a media team in-house. You can outsource that type of work. And if you haven't thought about that and you could potentially be censored, like uh, take some action on that, reach out, and go open up some accounts on these alternative platforms because... It's becoming more uh, treacherous and more perilous that we are able to spread information in real time as certain events are happening or be able to communicate with each other on long form podcasts that go in depth into the information like Grand Theft World. And so we'll continue to develop strategies to work around the censorship to be able to navigate in this new, you know, this brave new world matrix landscape. <laughs> and open up our doors of perception to a wider landscape of information to use some uh, Huxleyan, Brave New Worldian uh, references there. Um, not that I'm, you know, in alignment with that or anything. I'm just, uh, you know, riffing here, going doing some parhesia on wrapping up here this episode. Um, but I think someone who could do a nice job after my mind's a little mush at this point in the live stream and round off the end of the show here would be our good buddy JP who's been killing it over here with Awaken with JP. Let's see. Let's see, is this video up? Did it get censored? Uh, on Grand Theft World, he's one of the people that we bring in over on Grand Theft World. And let's see what leftists think about freedom of speech. Right after this message from your corporate sponsor. Hi, friend. Hello, comrade. Do you like free speech? I do not. In fact, I'm censoring you in my mind right now because big tech isn't here doing it for me. Thank you for being so considerate. Free speech is the worst, right? Absolutely terrible. What don't you like about it? I can't say. Can't say or don't want to say. Preferably both. I know, in a perfect world, right? It just feels so good to not be able to say what I have to say. Like how not being able to go to the bathroom when you have to go feels good. Exactly, that's why people always feel happy when someone keeps interrupting them. It prevents them from saying what they wanna say. I love that. 
And in banning free speech news, I'm elated to say that Nancy Pelosi is trying to ban gender terms like mother, father, son, and daughter in the House rules. Ooh, I am glad. Reality is so unscientific. She'll take sons and daughters away from their mothers and fathers. Well, in speech first, and then. I know. She's a national treasure. I hate people who aren't Nancy Pelosi. What do you hate most about free speech? Hate speech? It's everywhere, isn't it? Yeah, and if people didn't have the right to speak, then there would be no more hate speech. Yes! Brilliant! I not only wish we didn't have the right to speech and hate speech, I wish we didn't even have the right to talk about hate speech. I hate rights. <laughs> Revoking all the speeches would cleanse the world of hate. And everything. <laughs> Good. I hate hate. And then you'd have a loving world. Born from the hate of freedom of speech. Hate's the only way to express love. Is talking about the hate of freedom of speech Hate speech? No, it's communism. That's much better. But we're calling it virtue while the communist subversion indoctrinates the sheep through the mainstream media. For how long? Until the next election cycle. Biden and Harris, four more years. As if we had a choice. They stopped the spread of ideas. I love that because I hate ideas. We should kill ideas. That's a great idea. Ideas are the worst. People can think them and then spread them through words. Barf shouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> It puts people at risk of thinking for themselves. And then do you know how dangerous free thinking people are? They're like if you gave a polar bear a gun and then put it in a room full of children, children covered, covered in, in soy-based soy meat. meat. Yeah, I know. Polar bears love that kind of thing. Free thinking people would ruin the world. And the new world order. Do you like what big tech is doing? With the genocide of free speech? Yeah. Love it. Social control's my love language. Mine too. But my only concern is they're still leaving people with the right to be alive. So... They could be doing more. I think they're working on that. How so? They've brought in the World Health Organization to guide all their users. Oh, thank God. Yeah, so it's being taken care of. What do you hate most about freedom of speech? I'm not telling. Why not? Because I don't want to talk about it. Why? What's wrong? Ah. I see what you did there. I didn't want to talk about it because I hate speech and you'd have to use speech to talk about how you don't like speech. Good one. I just wish we couldn't talk about it to point it out like we're doing now. Yeah, don't even mention it. How do you think freedom of speech is dangerous? I'd love to talk about that. Me too. It's the second leading cause of death. What's number one? COVID. How many people has it killed? All of them. How many has freedom of speech killed? The rest of them. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Ideas and information, those are the real viruses. Destroying lives all over the place. I hate information. All information is misinformation. What's your most trusted source of misinformation? I think all of the mainstream media is very trustworthy with it. I trust what they tell me to think more than what I actually think. You still think? Sometimes I have the ability to. It's kind of messed up, man. And I apologize, I just gendered you. I know, I'm not proud of it. But if we keep abolishing free speech, making it a crime to speak my mind, then I won't be able to speak my mind. Then I won't know what's on my mind. And then I won't have anything on my mind. And then I won't be thinking. But, but, but I'll still have the ability to be told what to think. And I'll think that what you're told to think is what you actually think, even though you're not thinking at all. Exactly. My mind will be controlled, so I won't have to worry about controlling it. It's like having someone else mow your lawn for you. What a luxury. <laughs> it, the freedom to say words. Like what do these people want next? The freedom to poop wherever they want? Precisely. Freedom of poop? That would be just as absurd. The exact same amount of absurd. Freedom is unsanitary. 
Less freedoms, please. <laughs> is that too much to ask? Having less freedom of speech should start by all of us covering the very thing that makes speech possible, our mouths. Oh, like we did for all of last year? Yes. It discourages people from talking. I love that idea. Should we do that forever, but call it two weeks? Yes, deal. I hope I never have to hear another thing I have to say ever again. And I to me. <laughs> I'm glad we talked about this. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for joining on the TellerBlur.com live stream today. And those watching in the future, uh, you're welcome to reach out and say what's up. Uh, Tyler at TellerBlur.com. If you have any questions, you can get those questions in. We'll address them on the live show. Uh, you can also subscribe at TellerBlur.com slash subscribe to the email list. And we'll be talking about future updates through there. Watch us tomorrow night on the GrandTheftWorld.com podcast. Uh, where we'll uncover some of the more things going on recently this week, including the storm of the Capitol and uh, some of the censorship stuff that's been going on. We'll dive a lot deeper into it, and I'm sure Richard will be able to provide a lot better context than I could have here on this show. But we appreciate him and his work and his ability to share that work out so that we can then cover it here on shows like this and, and help it reach a wider audience, hopefully. And uh, from there... Uh, like I said, I wouldn't plan on TylerBlair.com, this particular YouTube channel, being around too much longer on YouTube, but we'll have backups. We are already backed up in all kinds of other places. We're looking forward to BitChute having a live streaming capability, and we will keep on trucking, keep on plowing through, keep on moving forward. Sorry today about the tech hiccup where I was muted for probably over two minutes, but that kind of stuff happens, and I am figuring out how to make sure that it doesn't happen again. I appreciate Cassandra very much for coming and telling me that and uh, helping make the quality of the show better. Thank you, sweetie. Love you very much. And uh, a big reason why I do this show is for the family to be able to have a stream of consciousness that maybe one day the kids could look back on and be proud of that dad was not just sitting around on his hands while freedom and liberty was dying and drowning in the alleyway, but rather that we were reviving and hoping to keep freedom going and keep that flame of truth alive. And I love uh, my family, and I love you guys too. Thank you for watching. This is Truth, Freedom, and Prosperity happening here live on TylerBlair.com, and I'll catch you guys all later.